Welcome to Episode 5 of Music Magic with Chick Corea. We have a very special program for you today as Chick talks with his duet partner, banjo player extraordinaire, Bela Fleck. This podcast was recorded recently while they were out on tour in Boulder, Colorado. And just one quick plug. If you're a musician, you're going to want to check out the upcoming live, online, and interactive Chick Corea Music Workshop on Saturday and Sunday, March 29th and 30th. You can check out all the details at chickoreamusicworkshops.com. And now, over to Chicken Bela. What do you think, Bela? You think we're uh, ready for chat? Would you like uh, an apple or an orange? Or a... I'm good. I'm good. I'm even going to put my phone on stun, so no- nothing, yeah. nothing extracts me. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know what to call this. We haven't fully named this yet, so it's going to be a podcast. Obviously, there's no cameras here, so this is uh, internet radio. Hotel Room Chats, Volume 1. Yeah, exactly. Didn't we do a chat? We did a video chat, yeah. That's right. In fact, I have the footage somewhere. I have to get it to you. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. I would. I would like, I remember that now, yeah. So um, we're getting ready to gear up this uh, Chick Corea Music Workshop. It's a total experiment. You know, I've done a few uh, master classes and trying to figure out how to be friendly with the musicians of the planet and share what we have, you know. I'd like to be your first pupil. Well. I'm willing to pay big money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the thing is, I think the, uh, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of musicians and fans and people would be just interested in hearing a chat i mean you know we're out on the road now for uh uh uh, by the way ladies and gentlemen this is bela fleck (laughs) and i'm chick that's bela over there hi yeah just to identify we're we're in um we're in boulder colorado in a hotel room we played in denver last night we played in um fort collins the night before Mm -hmm. yeah Tomorrow, uh, tonight in Boulder, and tomorrow we're going to Berkeley, California. We're on a little tour. Yeah, five days, five five days, five shows. Yeah. Finish, finishing up in Austin, Texas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think for for a lot of for a lot of people, uh, some musicians who are familiar with being on the road and doing more than like a couple of gigs, but being really on tour, kind of know you get to experience what it's like moving around, playing every night. But I, I think a lot don't know that experience. Yeah, and there's so many different ways that you could tell about it maybe we could uh talk about that just a little bit you know give uh how do you think about it how you've been touring for your life your whole life yeah i mean it's the way i get to play the music and it's the way i I get to um play enough to really um feel like a complete musician play the songs every day you know day after day get inside of them in a different way and um Pacing yourself during those days is a real important part of the whole trip because you can't show up tired. You know, it's like the whole day is sort of geared to getting you onto the stage feeling at your best. Like mm. that's the time. Any other time, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, if you feel, you know, what, where you're at. But when, it gets, yeah. when it's time to be on stage, you have to be at your best. So I'm always trying to figure out. And sometimes I spend too much time, you know, tripping on how, you know, how I can be in my best. Sometimes like practicing is the worst thing I can do to be good on stage and sometimes mm. it's the best thing oh it's like a moving target oh some days it's like wow if i had played that a bunch more i would have done better at the show oh yeah and other days it's like well i played all my good stuff 
in the practice room in my hotel or backstage, and when I got on stage, I didn't have anything left to offer to the songs. You know, so, so there's there's no way to judge that. It's a really it's a moving target, and so I think you, in 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 the end, you have to figure out what feels good to you. What's a nice way to have your day? You know, and yeah. keep assessing and making adjustments based on what you experience, which of course is subjective. And unless you're willing to like study the shows every night and try and assess yourself. I think that's actually yeah. going to make you a worse music. That might make you worse at playing the music, possibly because depends. You know, you know when 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 uh, I was touring with the electric band, uh, Dave Weckl used to do that. He used to swear by that's the way to improve. Yeah, he used to put a tape recorder by his drums and record the whole band every night, and then listen, listen uh, religiously on the bus. Uh, and uh, correct things. Anyway, yeah, it's interesting. I, I used to do that a little bit. I haven't, I haven't done that in a while. I but. think sometimes, like the, I mean, I think everyone needs to spend some time doing that. There has to be some period where you're doing that. But at a certain point, like the older I get, I think the time away from the music gives me more energy and more ideas than spending part of that. You know. Like there's the whatever the four hours at the gig where you're really mm. in the music, even though it's you know maybe ends up being two and a half, and getting there and then getting back to your hotel or traveling and everything, and so for me I'm finding now that it's really good for me to to have a break and come back fresh, especially if it's music I've played a lot. Mm-hmm. That freshness is worth more than the the studying because that studying brings an anxiety and a worry sometimes that isn't helpful or. Or it might even lock me into something great I did the night before. Oh, wow, I've, I, what a great solo I played on, you know, whatever. And then the, the next day, instead of playing freshly and freely, I start trying to play what I played the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I get stuck. Yeah. Where if, if I just stay relaxed and open, sometimes with a lot of improvising music like what we're doing, that's the game. Yeah. Yeah, last night there was a... Uh, I'm, we're just jumping around, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, but it's fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, last night, we're, uh, we, we the second set especially, we did, uh, uh, we did a lot of like uh, just improvising, uh, open sections and stuff. I enjoy that. I sometimes worry that we're going to lose the audience, but I think we had their attention the whole time. Yeah, well, I think if we're intrigued, they're likely to be intrigued. Hopefully, especially if there's only two people on stage, there's yeah. like a our interaction is very important that we're having the experience too, because yeah. then it translates. We're with a bigger band, with you know, uh, it's like with with four or five guys on stage. It's almost like if I don't know, it, it it's not as uh, as intimate. The the intimacy of two people on stage really really vibing into each other's trips is contagious, and if we're having yeah. a great time, I think they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, li- I like those free open sections. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, rather than uh, trying to figure it out. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've, played, uh, we've played this set, uh, uh, I don't know how many times, but uh, a bunch of times. Yeah. The set that we're playing, and I, I, still, I still look forward to it. I, 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 still, I still think, uh, you know, cause, because you, we, you, sort of, you sort of balance the motions. The way I look at it is... Um, you have uh, you balance the emotions and the motions of a set. Like you try and go faster or slower, or it's like tell, telling a story. You don't want to go into the same the same rate of speed. You got to slow down at some point, right? And say one thing, and then, <laughs> and then move on. So the way we choose the the vehicles, the the songs that we're going to do help. Uh, change the mood and and uh you know tell a story for the set yeah it kind of feels like the first set is like 
we're playing the music of the record that we created and we're sort of setting out here's what our duet is and then the second set we come out and we kind of change the whole game yeah say no now we're here we're gonna play a classical song we're gonna play a brand new song here's a a free improv here's a stevie wonder cover yeah and i like that idea that the second set is almost more of a workshop and it's very open yeah 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 because we've already presented like the kind of the overarching theme of what we kind of created on our duet record and from previous tours but second set hey here's a new tune we tried a brand new tune of mine two nights ago and we might do another one tonight you know yeah yeah i like that i like that and i'm trying to learn some of your other pieces the children's songs and things like that because i think it's all really important with a duo um well anybody who's playing together a lot to find ways to have new material but like what you're saying is interesting because like we you do so many different things that like when we play a song we've played a bunch of times, it's not the same song. Right. It's different every time. Mm. And, and going on that ride is completely satisfying for me still. You know, I'm not tired of any of it. There's yeah. still a lot of nooks and crannies to be explored and different ways to play it. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a lot of ways to cut it. I mean, we, we both like to improvise. We both like to compose music. Right. There's a satisfaction in... Uh, uh, I, see, I see composition sometimes as a... Um, uh, like the making of a game, you you mm. you know, you decide what rules, what tempo, uh, is it? Are we going to follow some kind of pattern or not? Uh, what kind of patterns? Uh, you you kind of set up a few loose rules or tight rules or whatever. Like for instance, the uh, the tightest piece we played on the whole show last night was uh, on redo to use prelude, right? And we played it practically note for note. Right, and the game there is to play those notes, you know, with feeling and precision and beauty, um, and it's not a game. The game on that song is not how can we improvise, or if we improvise, we're only going to improvise with the feel and the tone and the, sh- the coloring, but we're not going to introduce new notes necessarily. No, we played the note. We played the written notes pretty pretty good last night. They're they're a, they're a really nice set of written notes too. That's yeah. why it's enjoyable. But then the other games like. Or we're, we're the one part of the game might be what time signature are we in? Are we in three four? Are we in six eight? Are we? Oh, yeah. What's the tempo? Another another factor of each game of what the song is is what what key is it in? What is the harmonic basic rules of it? You yeah, because that's yeah. what that's what makes every song different from each other is exactly what you're talking about. I think it's a great way to look at it. Right. Yeah. Do you, so so in composing you you go well. The show's doing this, so maybe we could use a little bit more of that. Right. And so you go and you write a little piece. Look for what's missing or, yeah. what, or what, what, yeah, what isn't happening. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And yeah. if that doesn't happen in the compositions, then you can do it in your improvisations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you feel like the music is fast too long, you can start playing that fast song with a whole lot of space and it yeah. fixes it. See, everybody out there, that's the answer to composing and improvising. Okay, what should we talk about now? <laughs> no, actually, I had that on my list. I said, I, my list said, I said, well, what should we talk about? I wrote down four things. I wrote down duetting, which we talked about, composing, improvising, and teaching. We talked about teaching a little bit of, with evaluation and criticism and all of that. I don't know. Pick a subject. Yeah, well, that's a good one. I mean, evaluation and criticism... Um, at the same time as you're being uh, open and free, it's like they're almost different sides of you. You need them both. So Now, are you speaking about what? E- either um, 
okay, like, like a teaching someone or or even in yourself because I feel like I'm always a student, right? Like I'm a lifetime student, and so I'm always trying to figure out how to, you know, do it all better. And I'm also, you know, a lot of it hasn't been done on the banjo, and I haven't had the kind of training a lot of people have when I play the kinds of music I play. Like I haven't had any classical training or jazz training. It's I'm just trying to figure it out. But the critical side of myself is really important. It's really important because um, not everything I do is the way I want it to be yet. You know, I want to solo better. I want to write better. I want to know all that stuff. But when we go on stage to play, that critical side is is the worst thing I can bring on stage with me in the mm-hmm. world. That's when I have to embrace everything that's played and justify it or look for a way to, you know, enhance it. But I'm not going to be up there going, oh, why did I play that note? You know, or instead I'm going to go, oh, that was an interesting note I played. Maybe uh-huh. I'll play it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that So that openness is, it's like, when you're editing yourself, it's a diff- that then you get critical. And we go back and you're saying, okay, now, but you can't bring that on the bandstand. You have to go on mm-hmm. stage with that open acceptance because that's how you make something great out of whatever happens. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. What about uh, when uh, another musician asks you a question or wants you to take them as a student? Or uh, Sometimes what happens to me is a musician will want me to evaluate Right. For them, they they want they'll play something and they want me to criticize it. Right. They want me to say, well, that that was really bad, and you should you could improve here. They they're expecting, I don't know, got brought up somehow expecting a certain kind of way of training and teaching that has to do with a, a strictness of some right. kind. I, w- I wondered what your view was and all of well, that. Well, I don't think there's ever a real really good reason to be unkind to anybody, you know. But honesty is something that's sort of earned. You know, you, everybody doesn't doesn't deserve your complete, you know, 100% honesty. A stranger doesn't necessarily need for you to tell them that you didn't think they played something well. You don't, I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out for yeah. a conversation. Well, well, how about this? What about the fact that uh, the student has an intention or should have an intention that he, to, to want to improve and learn something? The teacher, I think, uh, whoever is helping the student... Should the be- the best intention I can think of is to help the guy, right? Is to help him achieve whatever goals that he's got, right? So uh, if if that's the flow, then the question is, how do you do that? Do do you strictly hit the guy with, nah, that wasn't that wasn't that great, uh, right? Well, and, and there's some extreme cases of that where yeah. where if you if you see uh, friends that come to you and they tell you their sad story about why they gave up playing, mm. if you trace it back, a lot of times you find out that it was from some incredible uh, heavy criticism that they got early on, being told they had no talent or. Right. Something like that, you know. Well, I, I think there's some, yeah, some unkindness in it. Sometimes it's not necessary. But I actually am a big fan of honesty, you know, um, even though I was sort of taking the other side there for a second. Um, I'm a big fan of telling people something, but maybe you don't have to be blunt. And maybe, you know, you might hear somebody and not think it's so bad. And they think it's so bad. And you go, hey, well, you know, you may not have made those changes, but you did this other thing that was really cool. You can be very positive and very supportive while also speaking the truth. And you can find, uh, I mean, some, if you get to know somebody for a while and you can figure out, you know, what they can take, mm. you know, and then how much truth they can take and how thick the skin. Is yeah. What they say. But I mean, I lo- I, I have some friends that I can, ha- I can be that honest with, you know, I mean like me and Edgar Meyer, 
for instance. We're like brothers, brothers, the, the brothers that can, can argue and fight a little bit, and it's cool. And we actually appreciate it because, mm. like um, Victor Wooten, who I also love like a brother, we don't really have a relationship where we poke at each other or, um, or even criticize each other. And it's, sweet, it's a sweet, great relationship, and we also grow a lot as musicians together. But with Edgar, it's a different relationship, and mm. we... We talk about, he likes to talk about stuff. So we talk a lot yeah. and then we get into, you know, why don't you try this? Okay. And, and we like it. Yeah. We get off on, you know, just the truth, you know, trying to really see if we can propel each other, but that's just the nature of our relationship. Yeah. And I appreciate having someone in my life that will tell me dead out what he thinks. Yeah. It's never unkind, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's just more straight up you know i get it you know i always find that the uh, the 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 hardest thing to accomplish or the most delicate thing to try and accomplish when you're trying to help someone is just how actually how to help them yeah how to really help them like how do you evaluate with how how critical to be how uncritical how how much this way how much that way and that's the trick of it because because if i'm going to spend my time trying to help some students, I want to see the result. And to me, the result would be that they have more certainty and more confidence about what they're doing and feel inspired to go on doing it. If I get a comment like that, then I think, wow, that was that was pretty good result. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know what I mean? So I, I try to judge. Uh, it's tricky how, how, how to do that. I mean, earlier when you mentioned the term training, so you didn't have any classical training or, or jazz, or jazz training. training. Or, yeah. The thought I had when you said that was, that's great. Mm. Because, like, in a sense, training, training, quote, unquote, in music applies stricture and constriction, training. Mm. Do it this way. You know, when you train, it depends on the kind of training you get. But the usual training is training into a certain mold. Right. And, and everything that we're trying to do uh, as musicians it seems to me is is trying to help someone get out of some kind of fixed mold into a creative frame of mind and where they trust their own imaginations and they can go ahead and explore the way they react to life and so forth. Yeah, and I think I, I, I definitely appreciate the areas where my lack of training has given me personality, you know, have made me more myself. But, you know, I do wish... Um, I could look at a piece of paper and sight read it. I do wish I understood more about harmony. So when you went wild into the crazy stuff, I had a little better chance of, of coming up with something that complemented it. So um, there's two sides to all of these things, you know. But the training side of it, I mean, I just, you know, learning to read music, you know, yeah. that, that was probably a good thing for most people. I really can barely read music, but I found ways to, to deal with it. Yeah. But, but I'll bet that if you put the goal of, Wanting to read music better at a certain level of importance, and you decided you were going to do that, I'm sure you would do it. Uh, it seems to me that needing to read music the way you're envisioning isn't important enough. Otherwise, you would do it. Right. Because you're, 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 you were totally capable of doing it. I figured out the, all these workarounds, and then yeah. now I'm used to them. And yeah. so the actual the time it would take for me to get that together would take me time away from being creative. So there now I'm like, so I'd rather Choices. just keep on working on what I'm working on exactly. that I'm sort of into now than, yeah. than doing See, that. See, I was right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you're always right. Yeah. Well, so are you. Yeah. See, that's the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, we're, all, we're all right. The student mm-hmm. is right. The teacher is right. Everybody is right. That's a good place to start, I think. So then uh, you've got to compare these rightnesses and see how right is right. Because right is not just a black and white. It's just how right 
and how wrong. <laughs> and how right and wrong for one person is totally different from another. Yeah, especially in art and especially in music because, you, you, you know, there's always this final, this final thing of that what's true for that individual isn't necessarily true for another individual or what one uh, musician thinks and admires and thinks is beautiful and wants to attain is not the same as another and that's what makes the world uh, uh, a multicolored adventurous game it's it's awesome actually because the thing that that's hardest to teach is actually uh for someone to be more like themselves and that's actually the whole goal of the whole exercise is how can you be the most you that you can be mm -hmm. if you're going to try and be an artist of any kind how can you be you yeah. and that's not necessarily what what we talk about when we're talking about learning to play or learning to right be, it's hard to be a talk, musician it's hard to talk about it because there isn't a lot of uh, nomenclature in that in that regard there's a lot of negative nomenclature but there's not a lot of personal but i think that phrase is understood by everybody wanting to be more yourself is is an understandable thing to me that means being certain about your own ideas and not asking for a license to see whether it's okay right to, to try to get some agreement you know you you think of something you think of a tune or you think of something that sounds nice to you and now you start to look around to see whether it's okay to do that is not the right way to go right. uh very constraining so you want to be more yourself which means you want to be more certain about what your ideas are and just be willing to put them out and accept whatever comes back and do the next thing. Yeah. And accepting that you, every is everybody isn't everything. There might be an area that, that you are really good at. Like maybe you're really good with rhythm or you're really good with harmony or you're somebody who's really into melody or something. And somebody has told you, well, you really got to do this other stuff too, or you mm -hmm. have to be complete. But the thing that's really going to, you know, the poetry of you is finding those things that are unique to you, that are yeah. natural in your system, in your human system, yeah. to you. I found, I found one way, for me anyway, that's a monitor of how do you know wh whether you're being yourself or not, which I think is a pretty simple test, which is what makes you feel good. Mm. And it, what seems simple and true to you, and what makes you just kind of brighten up and smile, mm -hmm. and, and what, what doesn't seem complex, but it seems, oh yeah, Oh, there it is. And you kind of recognize it's simple truth, you know. And you feel good. That, I, I know that when I feel good about it, I think there's something real true about it. Yeah. I know, like in my little jazz study that I've been doing for my whole life, whenever I hear something that I get excited about, that's a, that's a marker for me. Mm -hmm. If I hear somebody, well, I'm hearing you play Spain the first time, there's something about it that just hit, or hearing Charlie Parker the first time, there was certain, it might be a lick, might be a song, it might be a feel. And it charged me up. Mm -hmm. And other things I listened to didn't charge me up the same way. So that was a, you know, a marker there that that was something about, something in me reacted to that. And that meant if I investigated it further, there was some, some juice in there yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah, it's, just, it's the same when, you, when, uh, when you're outflowing. That's uh, inflowing something and you know what you like. But when you're, when you're trying to create something, a way, uh, a way that you do it, no matter whether you struggle with it or not, the way you finally do it is you have to decide which note to put down if you're making a composition. Uh, and you have to, have to say, well, that's the phrase, and now I'm going to make this phrase come after that. And now these notes are going to go with that note, and now this, and now that, and now that. You have to make all these little and big decisions. And uh, the only way you're going to know how to make those decisions is your own trust of yourself. It has to feel true 
or inevitable yeah. somehow to you yeah. when you're writing, writing like that. These are the right notes for this. I just, I just know it. It feels right. Yeah. And for me, I find them on the banjo. I'm sitting playing the banjo and I find a voicing or a melody and I go, this feels right. This feels like it's supposed to be here. And so now I want to flush it out. I'm going to use my, my uh, craft to take that inspired idea and, and grow it into a whole song that feels like it's supposed to be there for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, that 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 uh, that that summates the gleeful uh, the gleeful simplicity of the overall motto of the Chick Corea Music Workshops, which is "Think for Yourself." I, it's a great motto. I mean, I sometimes I lecture on it. The lecture on "Think for Yourself" lasts about five seconds. It goes, "Hmm, well, think for yourself." <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I have to think about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, let's think. Yeah, well, there you go. You're thinking for yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you think, Bela? You got anything you'd like to uh, introduce into uh, into the universe at this particular moment in time? Well, I could go on and on. I mean, I love talking about all this kind of stuff. Oh, well, let's let's go on um, and on. But you know, you start you just start, and then pretty soon you're into something good. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, I had a question. Sure. Only because I'm trying to find uh, musicians who I really highly respect, who inspire me, like yourself. I like to ask the question that it seems by survey is one of the most asked questions. Mm. How do you improvise? What's that all about? Mm. Is that too big a deal to get into, or can we? No, no, it's really make, interesting. Make a statement on it's that. It's a great. It's a great discussion. I'd love to know what you think about that, but I'll go first since you, since you asked. Because um, improvising has something to do with allowing the subconscious mind to take over, you know, I think. And this is something I got, you know, stole that idea from Marcus Roberts because we, we talked a lot when we were out touring together. And he talked about how, you know, you, you input, you're talking about inputting and outputting. You input, you know, information, maybe you figure out the game for this particular piece or whatever. But, but then... Like when we talk, we don't spell out the words. We t- you and I talked about this the other day. We don't say, um, you know, S A Y, S O M E T H I N G. We don't. We we just speak. We we we're already familiar with the letter, the words, and the way they all go together. Um, so when we speak, we just sort of improvise speaking. But we 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 get across the point that's in our mind to each other, and usually pretty elegantly, most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not having any trouble communicating, yeah. speaking wise. Um, but when it comes to music, and you set up these games that we're going to go out on stage and play, um, there's a part of you that is you're just thinking in terms of broader direction of yourself. You're not thinking I'm going to play an F sharp here, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. play a G, and then I'm going to play an A. Yeah. You don't have time for it. It's all coming too fast. Right. So somehow you have to get the tools and the comfort to just sort of let it flow and then sort of follow that line, follow the, the flow of things and see where they take you. And the more you can relax and, and not sweat it, the better it goes. Mm. Well, I see I'm trying to put myself in the viewpoint of someone who really wants to see how to get started. Right. doing this well i think the best way to get started <laughs> is like to make a really simple game like i mean when i watch my little boy playing the piano and the game is just to you know Hit put it. his hands down yeah. wherever he wants and that's that's the game he's making music then yeah but you could start with i mean some people start with a blues scale but you could start with one note 
and yeah. just play, play like play like a kid ah, in the sandbox. Yeah, and just play with that note, and then try, your first game could be to play along with a metronome, but not in time. And your second like one could that. be to add a second note and play just those two notes and just have fun with those two notes. Yeah, and gradually work up to something like a pentatonic scale. And having five notes you can play around with in different orders as you feel. Yeah, so many games you could make. Huh? You know, I just thought of something when you were trying to trying to work out what would be a what would be an exercise or a, a way a person could get active going with improvisation. And I I noticed we both worked with um, very very highly skilled and artistic and virtuosic classical musicians who don't have a background in improvising. And who I know when I would ask one who I'm working with, I'd say, well, well, come on, you can, you can improvise in this section. It's just, it's just uh, this sound. And there'd be this like, incredible reluctance to make a sound. Right. Even to make a sound because there's, somehow their sensibilities are so tuned up to what is good music. And they've, they've totally convinced that they can't make it on their own, that they don't want to uh, make a sound. So... In thinking about that, I thought that a, a good exercise for not only a musician like that, but any, any, anyone who wants to kind of get a flow going, like you were talking about, is, is just not worry about what the music is at a, at a moment, but just start touching your instrument. You know, just sit down and touch the piano. Like uh, people come to me and they say, oh, I, I used to play the piano. Yeah, I had a few lessons when I was a kid. I say, well, you don't play it anymore? I say, no, I, I don't have much talent for it. Would you, would you like to play it? Would you like to be able to play it? Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't think I, you know, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell them the first lesson, uh, the first lesson to, for someone at that level is to, number one, get a piano, mm-hmm. right? Getting real practical about it, or a keyboard. Uh, and then sit down at it and start start making sounds, any kind of sounds. Just you know, like you would test out a new car. You press the accelerator, it goes. Yeah, get forward. familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, get familiar with it. Touch it. Let mm-hmm. make a sound. Uh, sit on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything. Just 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 get to to see that it's just an inanimate object that's built like it's built with all these complex like uh, uh, mechanisms, and that there it is in front of you. It, ha- it has no opinion. The piano has zero opinion. It doesn't think a thing. And it doesn't judge you. Yeah, it doesn't judge you, it. and it won't do anything unless you touch it. So, <laughs> so it's a completely open, uh, open field, and you have, it's a good place to start, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm going to do that myself tonight, as a matter of fact. I should do that. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, let's go. That's what I need to do. <laughs> well, uh, there you go, improvising. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I see that problem with classical musicians as well, mm. which is that, that the music that they grew up is so revered and so incredible um, that they're afraid that what they play won't won't be up to snuff, and so they're afraid to play anything. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a tough problem. Um, because you don't, you have to give yourself permission to not sound good all the time. You can't sound good all the time anyway. Yeah. So you have to give yourself permission to, and not be mad at yourself because you don't sound good the first time you try to do something. Yeah, because the sounding good, again, is what you think. Mm-hmm. You're the one that's sitting there going, that ah, didn't sound good. Based on what? Right. You see, you know. I, th- there's another long hook on uh, going in completely other, the other way on a way to get a to get a, uh, a focus on that or to get a monitor by which you can 
uh, start to judge things like, well, what does sound good mm. and doesn't sound good to you, to the person who's listening, which is to try to, to try to get some kind of a handle on why you're doing it. Let's, let's take it right down to the floor, to beneath the floor, to under the foundation, to the earth. Take it to the center of the earth and, and try, to, try to work out, well, why am I doing this? Why do I want to play the piano? Mm. If you could really, I, I guess if you could really thoroughly answer that question, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that much of a problem of playing it. That's what I would think. Mm. You see how, how, how there's, a, there's a, like an incredible high level, but yet incredible simplicity in that. Like, wh why are you playing? Like, what is your judgment for what sounds good? Is it like, that important to know why? I'm, I'm just sitting here racking, racking my brain going, why do I play the yeah. banjo? Why do yeah. I care about this there. thing? All right, you're the guy. You're and on I'm the spot. And I'm struggling yeah. with it, explaining Come to you on. exactly why. Out with it. Why do I? Why do, yeah. I'm from New York City. I'm yeah. not a country guy. I, don't, I just yeah. love this instrument. It excites yeah. me to have it in my hands. Boom. And, and hear the sounds coming out of it. Boom. And I love the information. New information turns me on. Boom. And it's, that's my conduit to it. That's Boom. the area that I know. So when I get a new Korea lick or tune or a new you know Bach phrase or or, or whatever, it activates that pleasure center we were talking about a little while ago. Mm. Wow! So and, there it is. And then I get turned on. Boom! And I like being turned on. I'd rather be turned on than than dulled out mm. watching television. Boom! Boom! Mm. Do you hear a booming sound? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you lots of booms because you're you're exactly answering the question. That's that to me. To me, that's a very satisfactory answer because you love to do it. Yeah, and I was attracted to it in the beginning yeah. too. Like yeah. when I heard that sound, it it excited me. Yeah, you don't need yeah. a reason for it. The, the, the I didn't ask you the reason. Mm -hmm. I asked you just. You know what's the motivation? Why you're like why why? And that that that's the answer. I think I I personally think that that probably in some version or another is everyone's answer to why they do something. Well, hopefully, I mean the the really creative answer, not not the answer of a slave or a, or a robot, which is I'm doing this because I must or because I'm afraid if I don't do it, I'm going to get killed or something. But I'm doing this because I love to do it, because mm -hmm. that's what you were saying. I love to do this, I get inspired by that, and boom, boom, boom. And that's the reason why I do it, too. The only thing that I don't understand, and I would ask this question to you, is why would you play the piano when you could play the banjo? Yeah, well, it's a very simple answer. <laughs> it's a very simple answer. It's because I hate the banjo. <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't for... Loving, loving what you do, I would n never go near a banjo for the rest of my life. No. <laughs> Let's see. What a there, coincidence. There I was hate a, the piano. <laughs> there was a banjo in the back of the car, and the guy locked the door. <laughs> no, there's a joke about that. When he that. came back, there were two banjos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. nice. You do it because you like to do it. I can yeah. take the heat. It's the underdog. Like the underdog. <laughs> you know how jazz can be an underdog? The banjo is an underdog. You got it. You win that one, I man. I like being a, a being part of the underdog you know this american very american instrument yeah. that is you know the whole story of america and the slaves is tied up in it yeah africa mm. you know the different mongrel musics that came together on mm. it the black string bands in the 1910 and dixieland music and yeah and earl scruggs and 
you know, it's a, it's a really American trip. It's beautiful. I still don't want to play it, but it's a, it's a great... <laughs> See, I don't understand that. <laughs> I just can't understand that. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. I, love, uh, I love talking to you, and uh, I appreciate you hanging out. We've we, we got a gig to go to. I, I better, we have to relieve Bernie. Hey, Bernie, thanks for setting this up. You're welcome. Um, Bernie I Curry. have one last question, which yeah. is, Bernie, you're an engineer. That's not the question. <laughs> The question is, why do you engineer when you could play the banjo instead? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Come on, man. Out with it. Uh, uh, <laughs> on the spot. Bernie Kirsch. I, I, you know what? I'll tell you why. Because personally, it gives me a chance to interact with a lot of different music and a lot of different musicians. And I find that pleasurable. Without having to practice the banjo. Yeah, I, I have to practice wires. <laughs> There you go. You have to carry around more stuff than me. Okay, fading out here in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Thanks, Bailey. Thanks, Chick. Yeah, later on. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah.